Thanks for joining us here at the Comics Syllabus, where we read widely and dig deep in the worlds of comics and graphic novels. Um, this is an introduction to this week's podcast, um, and also a video explanation um, for those of you who are catching this on video of what the what the feed is going on here. Because um, since uh, I'm really kind of clearing my throat, trying to figure out how to do this um, and do it better, um, and accomplish the podcast's goals of trying to study comics and graphic novels um, with an eye toward sociocultural and political meanings and literary and artistic roles that these works play in our world. Um, trying to do some video. And so the plan is to have um, the podcast still hosted at our home on multiversitycomics.com and releasing every Sunday. That will be an audio only podcast that collects several of the segments that I've put out throughout the week and then throughout the week to put out the segments as videos. Um, and so that has um, been a learning process for me to figure out what feeds go where. So thank you for your patience. If you're a subscriber um, or if you're new to the podcast, let me just try to uh, show my work in terms of what I'm doing here. Um, uh, we live at multiversitycomics.com, which is a great place for you to um, read about comics news and um, reviews and interviews, insight, analysis, long-form think pieces, as well as um, several podcasts. Um, and if you go to the, the link that I've put in the show notes for our home at Multiversity's um, comic syllabus, you can find all the links to our past shows. Um, recently, I've started to do this thing of trying to put both video and audio versions out. And so the goal here is that every week on Sunday morning at Multiversity, there will be an audio version of the podcast. If you subscribe to the podcast on something like Apple Podcasts, or um, I, I use an app called Pocket Casts, um, you should be able to see the video and the audio all in the same stream. And I'll put out the video segments in about eight to 15 minute chunks. Um, throughout the week and then on Sunday I'll collect all that audio into an audio version of, of all of the segments put together. Um, so if you subscribe on something like Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts, you should see both on your feed. Um, if that's a little too much and you just don't want to see that much of comic syllabus on your feed, I am going to work on um, submitting an audio version only and just the audio version will come out once a week and you can just subscribe to that. Um, if you subscribe at something like Spotify, um, Spotify only allows audio podcasts actually. So the audio version will appear, uh, uh, on Spotify and I think Google podcasts, for instance, um, it may show the video. It may only have the audio playing. Uh, I think it's only showing the audio version. So both Spotify and Google podcasts, if you subscribe there, then you're only getting this audio and, um, and for you to watch the video, you can check it out at um, links I'll put into the show notes of every episode for the video versions of each of the segments. Um, and then there's the assorted random other podcast apps, you know, you're so if you're only hearing the audio, maybe see if there's uh, uh, one of the links in the show notes that can get you to the video versions if you're looking for that. And if you're here seeing the video, um, probably you're getting both. Um, I will explore in the future, you know, seeing if the show 
um, after I've sort of worked out more of the kinks, uh, is ready to go onto a platform like YouTube or something like that. And for now, I'm just grateful for the small uh, circle of subscribers, followers, um, listeners, viewers <laughs> who are checking out comics with me. Um, and so a little bit of a programming note about this week. Um, today, as I re record and will release this, it's Saturday, June 12th. And um, uh, our weekly episode will come out, of course, on uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And uh, this week, um, as we've been doing, we will review a graphic novel. We're going to talk about Black Star by Eric Anthony Glover and Ariel Gibellanos. Um, a very, very cool sci-fi action adventure comic from um, Abrams Megascope imprint, um, which is pretty much the most exciting thing in comics for me um, in the past, I don't know, 20 years. And uh, after that, uh, we'll, we'll do our polybag segment where I talk about new comics from this week, things that I've been reading and enjoying and following. So we'll talk about Eve number two, Good Asian number two, X-Men number 21, Far Sector 12. Then um, those episodes will be put together into the weekly audio episode um, that you may be listening to right now. Um, but meanwhile, if you are subscribing to somewhere that has the video feed, um, this week I'll um, put out a video uh, watching the first and maybe the first two, depending on when I can get this out, the first two episodes of the Loki TV show on Disney Plus, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is now streaming TV on Disney Plus. And uh, what I want to do is there are lots and lots of great podcasts that you know, do recaps and, and coverage and analysis of these shows. And I'm not going to pretend that I can keep up with that. But I think I can um, try to uh, look at some of the comics that maybe have similar ideas or themes to help us to, to think a little bit um, in a comic syllabus kind of way about um, these stories, um, these shows and, uh, and what we're seeing. And um, so look for that later in the feed this week, um, this coming week. And then uh, also later this week, I am excited to talk about the Eisner Award nominees, which came out this past week. Um, and, you know, the Eisner nominations are always a certain picture of, you know, the industry writ large. So I, I like I like to think about who's been nominated, you know, talk a little bit about the books, titles, artists and writers and things like that, that that I have been able to enjoy up to this point to um throw out there things that maybe you would want to read with me to in order to complete as the completest nerds that we are um, reading what the Eisner panel has uh, recognized uh, among these nominees so both of that both that Loki and that Eisner Award episode will come out first as video segments this coming week and then I'll throw it into the audio complete episode for next week and meanwhile um, this week we'll talk about Black Star, Polybagged for the week of June 9th. And um, so let's 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 dig deep. Let's dig into this together. Thanks so much for subscribing and following. Um, while I'm building up this uh, little amateur effort here, if our show is doing something for you, if it's interesting to you, please help us spread the word um, to your friends or on social media or at your comic shop or to your fellow teachers who use comics in the classroom or to other readers and fans and aficionados like you. Um, spread the word about Comic Syllabus and uh, 
you know, let's keep reading together. Thanks. Hey, here at Comic Syllabus, we read widely and we dig deep, and one of the things that we do is take a look, a uh, close look at graphic novels that are new, or new-ish. Um, and so if, uh, about a month ago, Black Star came out from um, Abrams Comics Arts Megascope imprint, and, um, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it today. I'm really excited about this book. Um, the Comic Syllabus, uh, our weekly podcast's home is at multiversitycomics.com where contributors who also love comics and love to read widely and dig deep, um, uh, uh, you can find reviews and previews and interviews and horseshoes and kangaroos, all kinds of things at, at multiversitycomics.com, so check that out if you haven't. Um, and our show, if you appreciate this kind of look at comics and graphic novels, please subscribe wherever you find um, podcasts in the show notes that you can see the feed for our audio only weekly podcast um, and also the, the comic syllabus segments um, with video. Nothing fancy, just some visuals because it's a visual medium. Um, but tell folks about this um, and, and you know help us spread the word about the comic syllabus. Um, today I'm talking about Black Star and it's a, it's a new sci-fi thriller um, graphic novel out, uh, written by Eric Anthony Glover and artist Ariel Jov Jovalanos. Um, Jovalanos has drawn uh, in a number of places, covers, um, stories in fresh romance. Um, Glover is a screenwriter, and um, this is uh, Glover's debut, um, adapting what was originally uh, written as a screenplay into this graphic novel. Um, and um, Black Star is actually one of the early titles from this new imprint from um, Abrams Comic Arts called Megascope. Um, Megascope is, uh, I think, brainchild of uh, John Jennings. Uh, he's sort of the curator, I should say. Um, friend of the podcast, Rachel Cruz, is on the advisory board of Megascope, as, as are many others that I love and respect and learn from. And uh, they, they sort of... Um, uh, you know, have framed the, the, the line as a line of graphic novels dedicated to showcasing speculative and nonfiction works by and about people of color. Um, so you can imagine that for me, this line is super exciting. Um, the first book that came out from Megascope was um, After the Rain, which is an, ad an adaptation of a, of a, you know, sto a short story written by Nnedi Okorafor, um, sci-fi superstar, and, um, and adapted by, by Jennings and by David Brame. And I, I wrote a review for this book uh, at Multiversity that I'll, I'll link in the show notes. An awesome debut for this line. And Black Star is one of the, uh, another one of the early titles um, from this imprint. Um, I've been really excited to see these books come out. Um, uh, the, the sort of the tagline is that the story is about um, a future where, you know, space travel, um, to quote the, the sort of um, copy for the story, interstellar travel is past its prime and sending shuttles beyond our solar system, even for vital scientific research, is a life-threatening gamble. However, in order to retrieve samples of an alien flower that may hold the key to saving countless lives, Harper North and her crew of scientists must journey to Elios, a dangerous planet. Um, and it is a dangerous planet in this world that we live in. And this cover says so much about the story that uh, aforementioned protagonist, Dr. Harper North, is there. And what happens is this ship, their main ship, um, runs into some trouble and they all, all 
the crew members, the handful of crew members, have to, you know, jettison themselves on this little escape pod. In the escape pod, they're all in these tanks, and we, we sort of enter the story in many arrests, and um, the action is already going, and we found out that um, maybe they haven't all survived this crash. Um, Dr. Harper North has, and what happens is... Um, that the story begins right away focusing on how she has to extract herself from, you know, this crash, crashed escape pod. And uh, we see that she is in communication with her, her AI, um, which is guiding her on the ship, informing of her of her own, you know, monitored, um, uh, you know, blood levels, oxygen levels, that kind of a thing. And also about the terrain of this difficult planet that she has to now navigate try to get back to the main ship within a certain amount of time before fuel runs out fix it up and be able to survive um and so harper north is our central uh you know uh, protagonist the 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 point of view character um but what i love about the story is the kind of complexity that uh it can hold to to uh follow this kind of elite scientist dr north is the one who um, is sort of leading this mission because they're going to this hazardous planet to try to retrieve a plant with potential healing power. Um, but as they are along the way, we get some flashbacks and find out about the interactions between Dr. North and the rest of the crew. And as it turns out, um, there's a lot going on. And what's cool on this cover is you can see arrayed around Harper North, these various kind of screen images. And those kind of screen images pop up again and again. And there's a, there's a way that the story is actually a really spare and very like focused, very, uh, um, you know, like straight to the action kind of story um, where Dr. North has to get to a destination, you know, has a starting point. We see on a map the road that she's taking. Um, and it's mostly about surviving this this hazardous natural terrain on a faraway planet with geological dangers. And 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 yet the whole experience is is narrated, it's influenced, it's surveilled by the technology that they've built up and they've brought, which, you know, again, almost kind of like crawls on relentlessly this technology and although you know we kind of um we 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 know that it's 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 really centered on humans who bring all the pathos to the story um particularly one bit of pathos that i'll talk about in a moment the machines are still kind of um uh omnipresent and it and under their their usage you know it's not it's not one of those these AI run amuck kind of stories, but it's really about how much our human use of tools can, can can drive a kind of conquest of nature as well as a brutal competition um, against each other as human beings, all made possible by technology, which you can see all over this cover. Um, the the you know big conflict of the story is that um, in this like incredibly kinetic, incredibly dynamic story is that. Dr. North is not the only survivor of this escape pod, but in fact, there are only enough resources on the main ship for one passenger to go back. Dr. North is the scientist who's supposed to find this flower, but the one other survivor, to give away a little bit, I won't spoil the, the main of the story, but just kind of set up the premise for you. The, the, the one other survivor is the member of the crew who knows how to survive this terrain. She's sort of the... the um. I don't know, the, the survivalist. And so 
we what we have is a, is a very action-packed story that's incredibly kinetic. You know, there are not a ton of characters. Basically, we have Dr. North and uh, we have Parrish, who is that, as I was saying, kind of that outdoorsy person who, who knows how to survive on this planet. And they're racing toward that, um, that main ship so they can make it back alive. Um, the way that Joe Villanos and Glover use comics to make these characters, you know, the tools of comics to make these characters move through space and time, you know, conveying everything from like this vast terrain to these little tiny battles and, uh, you know, and who's where the fates turn on, you know, a stray elbow or a slip of a toe. Um, it's great comics action. Um, one of the, I think, the wonders of this um, creator partnership is that the story has so much momentum that really relies on it being kind of movement-based in the static form of comics. It's not, nothing is really static here. Um, one example we can see here is that we're building suspense, right? As North, which just occurred to me, is interesting that North's name is kind of a directional, you know, um, signifier. But but Harper North is heading toward um, toward the ship, but um, it's constantly monitoring through the AI, right? That the the sort of um, you know Tony Stark uh, Friday that's speaking back to her, where her rival Parrish is, and so the you can see on on you know left hand page here. Um, Harper North scouting the terrain of this, you know, this this four days trek to the main ship. And meanwhile, you can kind of feel the kind of, uh, you know, her, her, her competition uh, for survival getting closer and closer and who's going to be able to be more resourceful and survive this journey. Man, it's tense. It's taut. It's really, really exciting um, and very, very cool that it's kind of accomplished in comics. Um, and so um, I think there's a way that these visual tools of comics, um, which uh, in a story that's primarily told through one uh, character's point of view um, and the dialogue between Dr. Harper North and the AI, um, the story is really remarkable for the logistics of this of this chase. It's just remarkably effective. And I think about the way that like John Wick won over a lot of people, people like me who might be kind of averse to violence or action movies, but there seemed to be a kind of like artistry, a kind of excellence in how all that gratuitous violence was staged. And I think there is this, uh, this, this way that this journey or this, this race is staged as comics. That's really, really artful. Um, but that's not to say that it's not thought provoking in, what it's sort of um, talking about, because in pursuit of this plant with these potential healing powers, um, with only one of them able to return to the ship, and we get these flashbacks that reveal why this is, you know, uh, this winds up becoming a competitive, almost, you know, like survivalist blood sport instead of like a collaboration story. And uh, and I think that's where some of the backstory comes into play and that's where this this story is super interesting. It's a human drama, as it turns out. Um, again, I won't give away exactly what happens, but it's manifested, you know, this human drama is manifested in all these kind of concrete, you know, artifactual things, right? The, the These uh, technologies or these objects of meaning or um, anyway, it's a totally gripping read. Um, I can't remember a comic in the past few years that has said as much without words as this story does, um, as effectively um, as Black Star. Um, and what I love is, again, without spoilers, 
a lot of your assumptions ultimately get challenged and it's really well worth the journey. So um, I am, uh, you know, definitely giving a, a comic syllabus thumbs up to uh, to Black Star. Hope that you will enjoy um, Eric Anthony Glover and uh, Joe Villanos' new book from Abrams, Comics, Arts, and Megascope. Um, stick around or look in your feed next. We'll talk about new comics out this week that I've been following and picking up. And let's keep reading. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. For the week of comics that arrived in shops on June 9th, 2021, this is Polybagged. Um, a look at some new comics I bagged this week. And this is part of the Comic Syllabus podcast um, at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, where we read widely and we dig deep as we try to do this week. Our first title is Good Asian number two. If you haven't jumped on this series already, it is not too late. I believe it's a nine-issue mini um, written by Pornsek Pinachot um, with art by Alexander Defengi, uh, colors by Lee Lowridge, cover by Dave Johnson, and my apologies that so far on Polybagged, we, I haven't always given shout-outs to the cover artists. I want to make sure I do that and try to get better at that. Um, Good Asian number one came out a month ago and made quite a, quite a critical splash, <laughs> if I could get those words out of my mouth, um, with the story of a, um, a cop um, in 1930s, 40s era, um, California, but the cop is a Chinese-American, um, which in the, um, amidst the racism of that time period, and um, in California, uh, he's a cop in, in Hawaii, um, no such thing would be permitted in the um, exclusionary uh, white culture of California at that time. But there he is, and as it turns out, he was um, raised in the household of a, of a wealthy uh, white man who is in, now in a coma. And he's sort of brought back home um, as a cop um, and really standing in between lots of different characters and trying to figure out some, um, some pretty uh, dark happenings and uh, dealings. The uh, image that you can see to, to my side here and at the bottom, yes, those are maggots. Uh, so just to be warned that just a little content warning of that kind of stuff, um, as well as other things, including um, some pretty extreme racism. Um, which um, kind of, uh, you know, indigenous to that time. Um, I have loved the noir quality of this story, but really applied to really showing and asking questions about Asians in America um, historically and in many ways with vestiges still today as uh, it, easy to invisibilize, to exclude, to exploit. Um, and then what agency is there for um, Asians to find a rootedness um, in, in U.S. society? Um, and so um, 
uh, Good Asian 2 kind of moves the, the, the chess pieces forward in the story. I don't think I want to get too much into it because I'm not sure what is a spoiler yet and what is not. I try to be uh, spoiler. I, I think I'll call it Polybag will be spoiler friendly where we won't give away key things, but um, we do want to assume some knowledge of the story so if you if you don't want to hear anything you know we won't come in cold but um good asian hero edison hark um represents so much to me uh about how chinese americans have reckoned with the status of chinatowns um as yet another sort of enclave of immigrant life where white u.s culture clearly uses and abuses people from these communities where they're a necessary part at the bottom of social structures as scapegoats as you know instruments of class control or whatever um and pichet Chote and tefengi just kind of depict all that with um what feels to me like great comics truth um and with that kind of um disillusioning illusion that noir stories provide so i'm enjoying good asian number two um, maybe next month when we come around we can talk a little bit more about what's happening with um but next we move on to x-men 21 now, this is the last issue of jonathan hickman's x-men writing run for the x-men title proper hickman moves on from here in his um you know since house of x and powers of x and this whole dawn of x and reign of x and krakoa uh generation of the x-men uh, he moves on from here to write a new title called inferno and meanwhile jerry diggins coming to take over um the main x-men title and re restarting at number one but x-men number 21 sees um hickman um in the middle of the hellfire gala event um uh, with a row of incredible artists um, I was surprised to find out that among the artists for this issue was one of my favorites, Nick Dragata. Um, I was surprised to find out that among the row of amazing artists on this issue um, was Russell Dowderman, who um, drew these incredible designs that we've seen for Hellfire Gala, um, as well as Nick Dragata, one of my favorites, who I, I had no idea was doing some X-Men pages with, with Hickman. Um, this is as Nick Dragata a page as you can imagine, you know, there's just all these classic um, Nick Dragata that This could be East of West. Um, but instead, what it is is Magneto and Namor. And at this Hellfire Gala, which has been a pretty cool event, um, I, I think, um, really, it is very much indeed a big old party that Krakoa is throwing and inviting, you know, superheroes and dignitaries and celebrities and, you know, there's all kinds of real celebrity cameos and all that kind of stuff, which, uh, you know, it's fun. I, I, I like it. Um, but uh, Dragata, Donnerman, uh, Lucas Wernick, and Sarah Pacelli provide art in four different segments of the story that, that are kind of advancing the intrigue and actually set the stakes even higher because this issue ends with something happening. Um, something has happened by the end of this gala that I couldn't figure out and my sense about it is that we, we're not supposed to know because we have you know, some more issues of the story yet to go and we're going to find out. So in a, in a typical uh, sort of Hickman storytelling kind of fashion, um, we, uh, we just have a lot of Krakoan intrigue. 
Um, I think this was a very strong closing issue. You know, ending at 21 just is is Hickman's way of playing with our usual expectations, and his leaving this title is by no means um, any indication that he won't continue to this writing and 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 artist team won't continue to toy with us in this uh, um, X-Men Krakoa thing. Um, also, excitingly, we were introduced to the new team of X-Men that includes Polaris and Sync and X-23 and Jean and Scott and, uh, anyway, off the top of my head. I'm also forgetting to, to shout out Rachel Rosenberg, Frank Martin, Sonny Go, Matt Wilson, and letters by Clayton Coles, of course. Um, so X-Men 21, fantastic wrap-up to what has been uh, certainly a thrill ride. Uh, of Hickman's run on the main X-Men book um, during this Dawn of X, Reign of X period. Next we come to Wonder Woman 773, um, written by Becky Coonan and Michael Conrad with art by Travis Moore. Um, this is the fourth and culminating uh, issue of a short arc that has seen Diana somehow appearing in the Norse... Um, Valhalla, you know, afterlife uh, of Norse mythology. And so you very much have Thor and Odin and um, the Valkyries and all those sorts of characters. Yggdrasil, how do you pronounce that tree? <laughs> Retatosk, you know, the squirrel uh, on her shoulder. And she's um, been on this, this journey of, you know, first kind of entering this ritual of daily warfare and sort of meeting and falling for this character Siegfried um, who then disappears uh, along with the Valkyries and she's trying to find the Valkyries and so she kind of goes through the run of of running into various um, characters of Norse mythology and then has run into and I won't give away again the the, the, the story but um, runs into familiar characters from the DC and the Diana universe and it all comes together in its fourth issue. I thought that the story started a little bit stronger than it ended for me, but still satisfying. Um, Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad show that they really know how to write, um, you know, a good Valkyrie story. And to consider, and the story kind of does, a comparison of who Diana is, who Wonder Woman is, um, to the Valkyries relative to the male-dominated um, Norse gods and and as guardians and so on um, is pretty interesting. Uh, Travis Moore's art continues to stun. This is a page that actually looks a little bit different from the style that I see in the other pages, but I think it um, conveys the sort of the sort of epic, you know, operatic grandeur that this story has reached for. Um, I like it. I think, as usual, in a lot of um, Wonder Woman stories, I wish that there were more depth and, and and maybe some more layers to Diana at herself as a character. I think my favorite writers of Wonder Woman find ways to do that even while she is this sort of noble and ideal figure. And I think sometimes uh, in this story, Clunan and Conrad uh, and more rely a little bit more on everyone else to be interesting around Diana. Um, nonetheless, I think the journey that she goes on in this story is an interesting contemplation of power and warfare and and feminine, what these godlike characters are responsible for. It's an interesting Wonder Woman, and I'm 
I'm excited for this Clooney, Clooney and Conrad run. Uh, now we come to Eve number two from Boom Studios, uh, written by Victor Laval and art by Jomi Jung, and apologies for not listing it here, colors by um, Britton Pierce and letters by Anne World Design. Um, Eve number two uh, follows uh, on the first issue of this book, which introduced us to um, a little girl who's whose um, scientist father has raised her. As it turns out from a distance, um, she's actually been a body in a tank, but in her mind, um, she's been growing and learning in this virtual world where she's adventurous and she knows her father and interacts with him. In fact, in reality, he's up in space where everybody has fled after environmental collapse and the world needs, um, uh, needs replanting really restoring after you know climate catastrophes have made um, the atmosphere unlivable and so um, there's a, an AI robot Wexler who's there to school and to guide Eve um, the name obviously very meaningful as somebody who's meant to help to repopulate the earth um, and uh, you know and Wexler the AI robot has to be familiar and comfortable, so takes on the form of a familiar teddy bear, which is a gift from Eve's mother. Um, and the climate apocalypse, as we found out, find out in issue two, has left um, humans as kind of mindless, perpetually hungry, uh, cannibalistic, well, zombies. Um, and you know, I I really loved issue one. Um, I I think you got me when you are talking about. Um, stories that point to the impending disaster for us if we don't dramatically address uh, climate change and uh, and stories that too show us that young people um, are our hope in our future I mean especially when we're talking about kids of color and and you know third that that really kind of explore the scientific and the moral and the the, the bio, bioethical kind of questions that accrue around the ways that we careen into unsustainability, um, which just kind of keep compounding the more that you think about it. Um, I could have, to be honest, done without more zombies, but I think, um, you know, I, I want to give it time. And I, I have loved Victor Laval's uh, comics in the past, uh, the way that he's explored monsters and the monstrous. Um, so I think it'll be uh, really interesting. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to give this story, um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, pulling this story for its entire run might be a four or five issue, I think, um, story and, um, yeah, check out Eve. Um, you know, if you see this art, what I'm talking about in the story, if it kind of pulls on those interests for you as well, then I think, uh, you'll like Eve number two. And, um, now we come to Far Sector 12. Uh, far Sector 12. I just breathe a sigh because it, Far Sector always reminds me of what a year we've had. Um, N.K. Jemison is um, well, one of my favorite contemporary writers. Let's just put it that way. And when Young Animal, which this is maybe the last gasp of Young Animal left, um, launched this series with Jemison writing, you know, a DC Comics character, a Green Lantern character, no less. Um, with art by Jamal Campbell, whose art I, I utterly love. You know, Campbell also does the colors and everything all around. Letters are by Darren Bennett. Far Sector was one of my favorite series of 2019. <laughs> and though it was a 12-issue limited series, of course, it hit against COVID and the 
and a huge pause in public publishing schedule and became bi-monthly. Um, and meanwhile, I have you know my stack of, of Far Sector right here that I've been collecting and eagerly waiting issue 12. And um, I gotta tell you the truth. Um, where Joe Mullen's stories, story has gone um, and uh, really all that this book has done um, and even the way that, you know, Sojourner Mullen com continues to live in the new um, Green Lantern series by Jeffrey Thorne and Dexter Soy and so on. Um, it's one of my favorite things going on in comics right now. Um, the story had um, N.K. Jemisin's knack for how sci-fi could really pose questions. There is a, you know, a far sector <laughs> where a planet of three interdependent cohabiting cohabitating species um, have lived without a, a single murder for 500 years partly because of something called an emotion exploit that has sort of dulled the emotional life of every living you know alien or AI creature on the planet um, so what does it mean when they um, have a murder, uh, in fact a series of murders, call upon a, a powered and in fact powered by her emotional conviction, right, this, this character of Sojourner Mullen, uh, to, to come and to help them not only solve the questions of these murders, but also to, as it turns out, try to broker a peace between a, a, a bubbling tension among people who don't know how to identify or recognize their own emotions. Um, totally fascinating story. Incredibly illustrated by Jamal Campbell. You know, give Jamal Campbell all the awards. <laughs> and, um, and really, this has been one of my favorite comics in the past couple of years. So much so that I'll be honest with you, I, I can't even bring myself to read issue 12 yet. I haven't finished it. I've got it in the stack, and um, well, I'm just gonna have to talk about the whole series sometime on Comic Syllabus. Um, <laughs> but that's Far Sector 12, definitely on my polybagged pull list. Um, some honorable mentions uh, Detective 1036. Um, I've been enjoying Batman Urban Legends and this anthology of shortish Gotham stories with different heroes. DC Pride number one, celebrating Pride Month, hooray, um, is out this month as well, uh, out this week as well, I should say. In Marvel, Excalibur and Children of the Atom continue the Hell, Hellfire Gala um, storyline. And a um, not very well known, but um, interesting little title called the W.E.B. of Spider-Man. As it turns out, Web stands for, I can't remember, some kind of engineering brigade, I think. But it turns out to be this um, maybe kind of side series that's targeted for kids. Uh, but you got Moon Girl, you got, um, and of course where you got Moon Girl, you got Devil Dinosaur. You got, of course, Peter Parker. You've got um, a, a Wakandan genius. You've got Squirrel Girl. Um, just some really smart smarties who are recruited by Tony Stark to use their engineering skills for good. Um, this has STEM comics <laughs> for, for kids written all over it, and I'm here for it. So Web of Spider-Man is on my list. Um, over at Image, I have been super intrigued by this story, um, Guillaume March's Carmen, kind of an exploration of 
you know, immediately after death, after life, and the sort of lingering ghost in the world, still trying to interact and figure out unresolved things, and it comes to a really, really nice point in, in Carmen number four. Um, Wind number seven from Boom, um, from James Tinian. Uh, Black Hammer Visions this week. Uh, Black Hammer Visions number five, uh, not number two, sorry, correct, correction there. Um, written by Kelly Thompson um, with art by Leonardo Romero. And so um, that awesome team is um, now working on a, I forgot what the character's name from the Black, Black Hammer world, Skull Digger or something like that. Um, so I just love that creative team. So it's going to be cool to, to read Black Hammer Visions 5. And then um, uh, Osayevo, Kwanzaa Osayevo, and um, uh, Smith III had written a series called Black and some follow-up Black AF titles from Black Mask. And now they come out with White uh, about this world in which um, you know superpowers exist, but they um, but they uh, are 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 given to to just Black folks. And uh, so White, I think, is meant to explore the other side of that coin and finally six sidekicks of trigger keaton is a new series from um, kyle starks and chris schweitzer at image um, a team that knows how to bring the fun into the funnies so um that series about um i think a hollywood chuck norris type who who passes away and whose many um uh sidekicks uh chuck norris i should say uh but hated by all <laughs> To my knowledge, Chuck Norris is not hated by all, but a Chuck, but a, but a sort of Chuck Norris actor who is uh, who is despicable to to everyone, including his sidekicks, who now come together to try to to I don't know solve his murder or figure. Anyway, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, these are the comics on my on my list, and uh, let me know what you're reading. And you know, for this whole episode, uh, once again, as I said at the top of the audio podcast. Um, uh, we have a, a, a feed that includes the video. We have an audio-only weekly feed. Um, love it if you would subscribe and follow and like and spread the word. And, I don't know, retweet, whatever, and help us let folks know about Comic Syllabus. And, you know, um, since returning, I, I'd love to hear from, from all of you. I haven't heard from, um, from listeners yet, and I'd uh, just love to get some feedback. Um, uh, you know, be gentle. Uh, I'm still working out a lot of the kinks on how to do this video thing um, and how to merge it into an audio show and how to make that sustainable in a, in a you know, out-of-pocket expense kind of thing that I do just because I like connecting with you about comics. And, you know, we will just keep on um, reading widely and digging deep. And um, thank you for joining. Love your feedback. Love to know what's on your pull lists and um, your thoughts about Black Star and Megascope. Um, what you what you're reading and what you'd like to see us talk about here at Comic Syllabus. All right, thank you. Take care. Have a great week.